This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Enik Mangan. And I'm Luke Elvide Mable. And our topic this week is... Super Mario Odyssey. Woo! But first, I hear we have some follow-up. Yes, so two episodes ago, on episode 78, I thought about my self-introduction to Twitch. And there was an important aspect I forgot to talk uh, about myself watching people play video. And that aspect is when people do bad move in a game. I seriously don't know why I didn't talk about it because we, Yannick and I, privately talk so much about that aspect that it's it was quite strange to me that I forgot about it. And Yannick reminded me after the episode and while I was re-listening to the episode, I was like, oh, Geez, I need to talk about that. So here's the follow-up about it. So I had a section in my Twitch episode that was about reminding me of, like Twitch itself reminded me of watching friends play video games during my teams. Like we would go, I would go to a friend's place and just the what we would do in the afternoon is play video games. And in those cases, uh, sometimes the games were single-player games, single-player games. So one person will play and the other will watch and then we will inverse and blah, blah, blah. So I spoke about the, all of those good memories and I kind of forgot all of the bad part, bad memories part where it's the part where you're telling slash sometimes sadly yelling at your friends about their bad moves in the game. And uh, my comment about my current experience with Twitch was that it seemed, and I'm prefacing this with a lot of asterisks, it seems that on the stream that I watched, I didn't see that type of comments. And I was expecting uh, a lot of comments of, oh, you should have done this, oh, you've done that, it's bad, and blah, blah, blah. But there's a word for that. Do you know what it is? No. Backseat gaming. Ooh, really? Yeah, and a lot of huh. streamers will put in their um, in their Twitch profile, like, no backseat gaming or else you get banned. And the moderators usually kick those people out. Uh, so that's probably why you didn't really see any. Although it is rather common for big streamers to have them anyway because the volume of chat is so high that moderators can't keep up um but maybe you were watching streams that had significantly less viewers than what the biggest streamers have so right right and i think the biggest stream had maybe a hundred views yeah that's not a lot well yeah which i knew so um it's good to hear that most people don't uh are at least being public about not wanting uh backseat gaming and there's moderators that will uh filter out those uh comments but it was uh with all of our uh, internet discussion uh, with all the internet discussion we had about like the all of the bad stuff on each end i was expecting more of it and i was uh, glad to see that uh it was something filtered out even if in my memories it was also part of the good memory of like watching my friends play video games and that's it for follow-up so tonight, uh, I think it's, I think we'll, you might find that we are a bit late on that. But the main reason why I've been, I've uh, been late about talking about Super Mario Odyssey is mainly because I did not have time to play video games. And I think, uh, Yannick can relate to that. But, uh, since I've been working, uh, since I've left school and been working, uh, and I have a job, Period in the year where I have a lot of time to play video games is usually during the holiday break. And since this is the first episode of 2018, you might guess that I've had a lot of time during the uh, holiday 2017 break to play video games. And Super Mario Odyssey was one of them. 
But before we fully jump into Super Mario Odyssey, I would like us to talk about our previous experience with the franchise. And I'll start with mine. Uh, when I was younger, I remember playing the first Super Mario Bros. game on the NES. Because uh, my dad, when he was in his 20s, uh, was kind of a gamer himself. So we had a NES at home because of him. And we also had the Sega Master, I think. Yeah, Sega Master. You've talked to me so much about the Master System that it has to be a Master System. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if I recall correctly, it's a Master System. So when, we, when my brother and I were younger, we were playing a lot of either the Sega Master or the NES before we got our first uh, con like home console, which was the Nintendo 64. So I expand uh, some of the Mario titles on the Super NES, but since I, uh, I did not own the system itself, it was mainly when I was visiting France. And even then, I, from my memories, if I recall correctly, most of it was mostly playing Mario Kart and not even playing maybe a bit of Super Mario Land. I forgot the name. The, there's one with Land in on the Super NES. No. No? The land games were all on uh, portable consoles. Oh, okay. Then I'm mixing up with... What was the big one on... Super Mario the... World or Yoshi's Island? Those are the two big ones that are on Super Yeah, NES. I think it was the World one, not uh, Yoshi's Island. But yeah, uh, so I don't have that much experience with it. But my main experience, my main second experience was with the first 3D title for Mario, which was Super Mario 64. Super Mario 64 was, when it was introduced, was quite big, right? It was the first 3D open world uh, title. It was a clear uh, distinction between the past games, which was 2D platformers with a linear path through the worlds. And um, also, the, the kind of the main story was also focused on the castle. The, the, the Peach Castle was the main hub to go through all of the kingdoms you had to explore and uh, catch stars and the fact that it was three in 3d was quite big at the time and i put 3d in big quotes because it was 3d on the n64 it was uh, i think they right now they call it like 2.5d because there are some elements of the game that was in 2d but some other elements was like just camera movement or camera placement that created fake 3d i i mean you're giving it less credit than it actually deserves. So certain elements in the game were sprites, which were used, uh, which are basically 2D elements, but it was needed to get a good uh, level of performance, but the bulk of the game was actually in polygons. So it was actually rather amazing for the amount of polygons it was pushing out on that hardware. Yeah, and what I remember, because a couple of years after we, after we got our N64, we, I think if I recall correctly, we were quite late on the X N64 uh purchase because i think we got our maybe 98 99 something like that i don't remember the exact dates because i'm bad at dates but we got the n64 first and then we got a ps2 so of course when we got the n64 like everything all of the 3d games were just amazing and then you compared it to ps2 games and then you realize you know what for the quality of game that nintendo was pushing at that time like yes the polygon count was lower than most PS2 games, but it was quite impressive. And I really, and one of the main aspects I really enjoyed, if we move away from the 3D aspect of it, was just the open world aspect of it. I just remember 
after finishing the game, I would just like wander around in the world and redo stars and redo boss fights just because the game itself was so nice and so fun to play that. And since it's an open world, when the game ended, you still stuck in the open world in a way. Um, and all of that aspect was really nice for me as a kid. And I think after Super Mario 64, I think I did a big jump too again. I think the other one would be maybe... No, because I did get 64DS, which was on DS, which was mostly the same game. And then I think the next big Mario game was the Galaxy game again. Yes, it was Super Mario Galaxy on the Wii. And, of course, Galaxy was a big push. It was the mix of the plat- 2D platform aspect, but in the 3D roles. But it was really not an open world game. Um, Yannick and I had a lot of heated discussion about why I liked uh, Galaxy and why you did not like it. Um, but, to me, it reminded me a lot of the fun I had with um, Super Mario 64. And um, while also keeping these 3D aspects. Because after that, uh, Nintendo introduced a lot of 2D 2D games. Because there's the Super Mario Paper games that were introduced uh, in between. Well, Paper Mario is not really a traditional Mario game at all. It's more of an RPG, but... It is. I see what you mean. Yeah, it is. You're right. But still, uh, the, 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 I always felt that those games were created to just to bring back the nostalgia of the 2D Mario games without it being a platformer itself. I think it was more meant to appeal to people who liked Super Mario RPG on the Super Nintendo, which was Square and Nintendo collaborating on an RPG that involved the cast of characters from the Mario series. And there are lots of similarities between Super Mario RPG and Paper Mario series. Hmm. Okay, interesting. And if we jump again at the other games that I've played were the Wii U one, which was new... 3D Super... World. Yeah, 3D World and 3D Land. I think I... No, 3D I Land was 3DS. I know, but I wonder if I played it. So I played 3D World and then... But there's also the new Super Mario U... Yeah, new, new Super Su- Mario Brothers U and new Luigi Super one. Luigi brothers yes you i don't know i lost that part but yeah no th- those two were typical like platformers compared to the uh, luigi 3D. one was dlc for the original super mario brothers U. except here in canada it was uh, you can buy it uh standalone because that's what tony did with the wii u he bought the are, super are you sure luigi one first bundled with consoles in some weird bundle and then he got that maybe used because i don't think they sold it standalone outright mm, i'm not sure maybe got it used for sure but i know that uh, if you look around uh it is mentioned that i think i'm not sure if it's north america or only canada but i know here for sure we got it standalone you could go to any video game shop and buy it standalone uh, uh with the disc and everything because you could play it without needing the original game well that's here. good because it's pretty much universally agreed upon that only the dlc is any good for that game so uh okay it's maybe not uh, universally agreed because i did not like it at all i think uh super mario super luigi is super hard and maybe that's the aspect that i didn't like well you're you're talking to someone who beat super mario Mario brothers 2 on the nintendo entertainment system so i'm used to hard shit in mario games right and i think that's that that's the, the the target the target market for that game 
really loved it. Yeah. And if you were outside, loved it. <laughs> I didn't say that, but, uh, but yeah, if we're not part of the target market, uh, it's kind of expected you won't like it or you might find this new genre of Mario game and fall in love with it, which all of this brings us to Mario Odyssey. And the reason why I wanted to uh, go through the titles that I've played is kind of to say that my main experience with the Mario franchise is mostly with the 3D titles, except with the NES version. So all of my 2D cues and 2D like memories is from the NES game. And without getting too much spoilers, Super Mario Odyssey, it's both of those games, uh, both of those genre of Mario games quite well. Well, they put a lot of tributes to the original NES uh, series, I would say. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before we start into a small summary of Odyssey, do you want to go through your history of the Mario franchise? Yeah, so the earliest memory I have of playing Mario games was at my uncle's place. My uncle, uh, he used to have a Genesis back in the day, but afterwards he switched to Super Nintendo for I'm not too sure what reason. And he had Super Mario World. He had a fully completed save on his Super Mario World, which was really fun because I became obsessed with uh, the Star World, which is a world in uh, Super Mario World where you can teleport between parts of the world. And the Special World, which is if you find all of the special exits in uh, Super Mario World, you unlock the Special World, which has these crazy, sadistic uh, levels that make no sense on it. And I became obsessed with, like, those 12 levels or whatever. It, it was all I played when I went to his place. Um, so that was sort of, like, the early setup for me. And that sort of explains why I sort of deviated into the weird shit in Mario. Uh, <laughs> so later on, uh, I went to another uncle's place. And he had a Nintendo Entertainment System. And me and my cousin would play that quite a bit. So I played Super Mario Brothers 1 and Super Mario Brothers 3 quite a bit. Um, and then I got my own Super Nintendo, so I beat Super uh, Mario World completely and got all of the worlds and everything, uh, like my, uh, uncles say you had. So I spent a lot of time playing Super Mario World. It's my favorite of all of the Mario games. Uh, occasionally I would see some other friends who had, uh, Yoshi's Island on Super Nintendo, which... I really like the graphical style of that game. I'm not super much of a fan of it as a Mario game. I think it's different from what makes Mario Mario, and this is a theme going forward, as you're going to see. Um, so I've had basically experience with all of the 2D Marios up to that point. Super Mario 64 came out, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I'm not surprised. Super Mario 64 is not at all what I want from a Mario game, because everything that you said about, like, you've thought the open world was fun and all of that stuff like i don't want any of that stuff i want level-based games i want quick traversal and super mario 64 has none of that it's really just a completely different kind of game and i think people like john zaracusa who are very smart and everything they're like oh well if you make the same kind of game as mario used to be in 2d and 3d it doesn't fucking work and to some extent that's true it's not exactly the same um but I would still rather play 2D Marios in 2018 than play 3D Marios in 2018 because 95% of the 3D Marios that have come out are not Mario for me. They do not check check off the boxes that are required in what makes a Mario game a Mario game. 
afterwards, uh, there was Sunshine. Uh, I played Sunshine on the GameCube. That was a lot better than 64 for the main reason that it had interesting traversal options. One of the things about uh, the Mario games prior to 64 is you had a lot of different options about how quickly and what power-ups you would use to get across an entire level. And the Flood uh, cannon in Super Mario Sunshine gave you a lot of original options to get around. And it also sort of shows if you watch speedruns of Super Mario Sunshine, it's a game that is easy to go fast in, and I like to go fast in uh, platformers, which is why I like Sonic. Um, then the Galaxy games came out, and I'm just going to say no. Uh, <laughs> the issue that Nintendo had when the Wii came out is they decided to put little characters in every goddamn video game they made that would read the manual to you over and over again if you weren't doing exactly the right thing that the game told you to do because they think that people who play Nintendo games don't know how to read or don't have any judgment. And that is irritating, and I don't want to play those games. So while on paper, Galaxy is more in line with what I would want from a Mario game, I dislike those games because they treat me like I'm three years old, which is not fun. Then 3D Land came out on 3DS, and that is the best shit. Uh, 3D Land and 3D World were designed by people who said, uh, we really like Super Mario Brothers 3 on the NES. We're going to make a 3D Mario that is based on the design goals of Super Mario Brothers 3. And it plays completely different from all of the other uh, 3D Marios that came from it because it doesn't really have, well, it plays a little bit more like Galaxy and there is some overlap in the team in Galaxy and 3D World. But it's level-based. It's much more about interesting traversal and obstacles than it is about whatever the fuck it, Super Mario 64 is supposed to be. Um, it was a really good game. Uh, 3D Land, I'm trying to 100%, but it is not easy. Uh, one of the things that happened around that point, and we're surely going to talk about it in Odyssey, is the game is structured in such a way that after you beat it, a whole, basically, second game opens up with like, the real game. Like, the entire first half of the game is like a tutorial for the entire second half of the game. And that is sort of a thing that they have followed up with uh, in 3D World in, I presume, Odyssey. I don't know much about Odyssey. The only thing I know about Odyssey is I took a picture next to Mario's giant-ass hat uh, when I was in Japan last year. Um, but yeah, so that's more or less my experience. And then after that, I did my ultimate challenge, which is uh, Super Mario Bros. 2 on the Famicom in Japan is a completely different game from Super Mario Brothers 2 North America. And this is one of those like hot gaming facts that people rattle off ironically because it's like, did you know Super Mario Brothers 2 wasn't actually a Super Mario Brothers game? It was actually Doki Doki Panic with a Mario skin. Um, which is true, except it's sort of a joke in the gaming community because it's like the fun fact that everybody repeats all the goddamn time. Um, and uh, what is special about Super Mario Bros. 2 Japan version is that it was basically sadistic Mario made officially by Nintendo. And there are some dirty tricks in this game. There are infinite loops that uh, you have to walk on specific blocks to escape from the infinite loop. Otherwise, you will just run in this hallway forever and time out and die. Um, you have uh, trick warp zones where you actually just go into a brick wall and you have to kill yourself to actually uh, get out. Like, there are a bunch of weird traps in this game, and it is super hard, but I beat the whole game. And it was one of the greatest Mario experiences I have ever had. Not gonna have that kind of experience with Super Mario 64 or any of the 3D Marios, because it's not that kind of experience. 
But I really like the 2D Marios, and that is going to color my entire opinion throughout this entire show, so get ready for it. Yeah, and maybe to just uh, come back to this uh, sadistic Mario, I think the modern incarnation of it is Super Mario Maker and the fact that people were able to create their own Mario level and then just share them on the internet so people can then uh, uh, play them. And I do hope, just a small tangent on Mario Maker, I do hope that Nintendo will kind of do a quote-unquote remaster of it for it's the Switch. It's ridiculous that they haven't done that yet because they did it for the 3DS, except the 3DS version is a fucking joke. Uh, like you can, you basically can't share levels on the internet with the 3DS version, which defeats the entire what? purpose of the game. You can only share via Street Pass. Oh, fucking Street Pass. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, but yeah, like I'm sure I know you didn't have the Wii U, and no, you still don't have a Switch. I'll leave that joke here. But uh, the reason why I wanted us to share our uh, the games we played and the game we enjoyed in the Mario franchise is because Yannick and I have completely different taste. So, and also since Yannick doesn't have a Switch yet, he didn't play to Odyssey. So, I, I, I will be a bad friend and spoiling the game to him, but I'm sure he doesn't care I because don't as you, uh, care. yes, as you've heard, Yannick is not a big fan of 3D Mario games. So, before we enter the spoiler-free zone, if you live under the rock, I just want to give a quick summary of what Odyssey is. Just a quick synopsis of the story. So, like I said in the opening, I compared uh, Odyssey, I, comp- I mentioned a lot of 3D open-world Mario games. So, Odyssey, it is a 3D open-world game like Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Sunshine, which were both on the 64 and on the GameCube. And the general idea stays the same. Bowser kidnaps Princess Peach, but the reason this time is to force marry her. I don't know why this time there's a reason, but this reason will uh, guide us through the uh, spoiler zone because it is kind of the recurring theme of the game. So since Bowser kidnaps Princess Peach, you need to follow Bowser and try to beat him to give uh, to rescue uh, Princess Peach. The actual reason that he wants to marry Peach is that Nintendo wanted to make a fuck ton of amiibo money by selling all of the characters <laughs> in wedding uniforms because everybody is going to put that on their wedding cake now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of those amiibos, we'll talk about them later in this episode. Oh, wow. I wasn't expecting that. Yes, we will. Uh, because uh, we'll leave it. So do you have anything else to say now before we move to the sport zone? Because I really want to talk about the plot of Super Mario Odyssey right away. Uh, not really, no. Good. Hey everyone, this is Yannick from the future. Yukodivy kind of messed up his transition into the spoiler slot, and as such, there isn't really a clean transition into it. So I did the best I could in editing, uh, but just to warn you that if you keep listening, there are going to be spoilers for Super Mario Odyssey. If you're not interested in spoilers for Super Mario Odyssey, then you can stop listening to the episode right now, and we'll see you in two weeks. If not, then here we go. So right now, you if you continue to listen to our episode, either you pause it, go play 10 to 15 hours of Odyssey, which, to get to the first part, like, the first part that Yannick entered, it takes about that. Like, depending on the type of gameplay you will play, you might be take a bit more time, less more time, but going through the story the, the, to the plot that is Bowser kidnaps Princess Peach, 
and then you need to follow him throughout the kingdoms and try to beat him to rescue Princess Peach and then come to the place where you beat him and rescue Princess Peach. It takes about 10 to 15 hours. It's quite quick uh, because as a difficulty level for a game, the game is not that hard. And one point that Yannick won't like about the game is there's a lot of tutorials throughout the game. But... Wait, 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 wait. I think the only annoying part that you won't like is when you are going from one kingdom to the other. So the gist of the story is you're in Mushroom Kingdom, where the Peach Castle is, but all of the the unknown reason, but it is kind of stated as a fact, is all of the Murrow Kingdoms are on Earth. You don't know why. You don't know where is the noble Earth, but that's what they put. So... Bowser kidnaps Princess Peach, and then you have to follow him and try to rescue Peach by going from one kingdom to the other. And what you realize while moving from one kingdom to the other is that some of the kingdoms are related to the winning. Like, one of them will provide the ring, one of them will provide the cake, one of them will provide the stew for the lunch, and blah blah blah. So the, the, the winning team stays current throughout the story plot. Also, you encounter a lot of kingdoms where Bowser do a lot of stupid shit, um, as he usually do, and make a lot of people piss. So you also need to help those people uh, throughout the game. Uh, in the opening, what's the main different mechanism in this game is Mario loses his cap and then falls into Cap Kingdom, where you meet Cappy, which is kind of a ghost cap, I think that's the best way to put it. And Cappy is also there to follow Bowser because Bowser stole Cappy's sister, if I recall correctly. And Cappy's sister is used as the wedding crown on top of uh, Peach's head. So the gist of it is Cappy and Mario decide to team up together to go fight Bowser to save Peach and Cappy's sister. Also related to that, throughout the game, there's this, these, uh, mini bosses called the Brutals, which are human-like rabbits. And there are the wedding banners. So they are, every time you go throughout, like, one kingdom to the other, and especially when you encounter a wedding-related kingdom, they always, always piss at you because they're like, oh, we're one step ahead, haha, we stole the ring, haha, fight us. They're a bit, uh, childish, but at the same time, they're funny because they're wedding planners that are mean to you, which, for my heart, never got married, but winning planners are never mean to you. So, at the end, you will go from kingdom to kingdom, uh, and to move from kingdom to kingdom, you need to use the Odyssey spaceship plane. It's kind of a, I would say it's kind of a... I would just like, go for airship. Yeah, I think the airship is the best word, because it's a air balloon with a ship attached to it so it's kind of like those uh weather air balloon but imagine a ship below it and uh, the fuel for the odyssey is the power moons you need to collect in the kingdom so there's always a reason why you move from kingdom to kingdom and the more power moons you get the more power odyssey has so you can move to the next kingdom and follow bowser and all of this climax to Bowser going on the moon because it seems that the only church in the Mario Kingdom is on the moon. I don't know why. 
and then this is where you fight him and blah 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 and then of, of course you save peach but i want to come back at uh the end of the plot so after that everybody's happy everybody is fine and then you come to what is in my opinion a bit different in this game is you've completed the main story depending on your type of your type of gameplay you might have spent less or more time in kingdoms trying to find more power moon that you need uh to para odyssey and this is where those i guess lost moon comes into play after you go through the main story you go in the post story mode where you just like the the goal of the post story mode is just to get all of the power moons that are in uh the kingdoms and by completing the story it also it also unlocks a lot of those power moons that were not available so even if you try to do uh, to have a, a completionist gameplay you need to complete the story to really complete the game because by completing the story you'll unlock the second pass and you'll unlock a lot of more power moons and the more you ac- the more you get power moons at the end the more you unlock two new kingdoms that are the dark side of the moon and the darker side of the moon and this is where you get more difficult levels compared to the rest of the game I guess uh, I am not at the darker side of the moon yet. I tried the dark side, and the dark side is really you need to beat the brutals one after the other because you go to their kind of neighborhood on the moon, and you need to go through their like rabbit tower because the the, the neighborhood is kind of called rabbit. I think it's rabbit city or rabbit kingdom. I don't remember exactly, but you need to go through the tower and beat the brutals one like there's there's four brutals and you need to beat one of them at each floor and this is where you get more not as high as super uh super luigi bro game like on the wii u but you get harder level and uh a m- bit more challenge compared to uh the rest of the game that's for the plot now we would like to move uh, to some key points of the game and then we will refer to the plot, but uh, the first point I have on my list is something we entered in the, the spoiler-free zone, which is the correlation between the 2D and the 3D aspects in Kingdom. So, to do some, some kinds of throwbacks in Odyssey, Nintendo decided to include some, I would say some mini-levels inside of the Kingdoms, where you go into, into typical uh, Mario tunnels, and then you end up in a 2D, a 2D land like the same types of sprite as the Super Mario on the NES. And those are kind of mini challenge you need to do to uh, get a power moon. And it's just part of this power moon capturing mechanic. But the fact that they are like putting the player, throwing the user back into those 2D, typical 2D platformers of Mario is really nice. And the same time as the 3D uh, levels because those 2D planes are also on 3D portion of the map. Um, I think one good example is one of the 2D game or mini game is on each side of a tower and to go to the part of the story plot is you need to go at the top of the tower and to go through the top of the tower you need to go in 2D mode. And when you go into those uh, tunnel and flip from 3D to 2D all of the outside of the map is still in 3D, but the plane where you're playing will become NES 2D, 
And also, when you go to the corner of the building, because you need to continue and change face of the building, the game continues, so the camera completely flips, and all of this mechanic is amazing, and a nice throwback to uh, the NES on... Uh, the Mario games on the NES. Another thing that is super interesting in those uh, 2D mini world is there's a lot of different costume that you can uh, wear in Odyssey. So Mario throughout his uh, journey from kingdom to kingdom can buy and collect different costume that he can wear. And of course, those costumes sometimes, if you wear it at the same at the right place, can uh, make you unlock uh, power moons. But what is really a nice detail is those costumes are also rendered when you're in 2D. So if you were just a normal Mario, it's the normal Mario we expect from 2D from the NES. But they also updated the sprite to make sure that if, for example, you're wearing the cook uh, costume from the cook the cooking kingdom Mario will be rendered into the as a chef which is a nice touch um now that I was talking about the costume yes there's a lot of different costume and also it affects how uh Cappy is rendered too because sometimes the costume is also a hat and Cappy will change form depending on the costume you have a big one I haven't mentioned too much yet is all the mechanism, the transform, the transformation mechanism that Cappy is enabling in this game. And this, to me, brings to one of the best climax in this game, and the be- uh, quite big spoiler is, when you throw your cap to objects, you can transform into them. So in some other occasions, you need to be transformed into a T-Rex, and other occasions, you need to be uh, a, a bird with a pointing nose, um, because it, this one is in the Bowser Castle Kingdom and then uh, the pointing nose can pick through walls and then you can climb. So all of these made m- you enjoy Mario, a Mario game in a different way because all of the challenge is to understand when should I transform into the either the bird or the frog or any other elements near the place I am to do a challenge to properly execute this challenge. Whereas in the past, in some, in most of the 3D games, it was mostly uh, athletic stuff. So you had to do a jump there and then jump there and jump there. And adding this transformation mechanism is just giving new thing and uh, giving you a new perspective on the Morgan. And I really love it. This also means that you need to transform into a lot of different characters and animals and other players to compete, uh, capture all of the power moon. And the climax at the end of the story is you need to capture and transform yourself into Bowser. So you big spoiler at the end is you beat Bowser, but the moon's kind of self-imploding. It's just uh a bit weird, but it's related to the power moon and some weird uh cubes that there are around the kingdoms that after the game give you the location of some specific power moons that you have haven't captured. But to exit uh, this kind of implosion of where you were on the stage by fighting Bowser and to save Princess Peach, you need to transform yourself into Bowser and exit uh, to a place where the Odyssey is parked and then come back uh, to Earth. Good. Uh, another thing that is also reminding me of a previous game of Mario, I mentioned the uh, 2D NES mechanism. 
there's also another mechanism that is quite small, but just kind of a good hint at the jump painting, the, the painting that you have in Super Mario 64, where you need to jump to then to go the, to the world. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey implements this too, but the way it works is you might be in Kingdom A and find a, a painting for Kingdom Z, for example. So a kingdom you might not have accessed, accessed yet with the story, but you can jump to it and it's just, it gives you access to just a small portion of that kingdom. And usually it's really t- for you to try to find where this painting is hidden. And the fact that you found this painting gives you access to a, a hidden location on this other kingdom where a power moon is uh, hidden. So I really like the, uh, the memory brought back by, uh, this, uh, mechanism and reminded me a lot of Super Mario 64. Before I continue with uh, other points, do you have any comments about the game itself or stuff you don't like or stuff like that? Not really. Uh, I've only seen maybe 15 to 20 minutes of footage of the game, so that limits what I can say about it. Uh, It does seem to have more interesting traversal options than other 3D Mario games. Uh, Maybe not quite as much as Sunshine, but I guess we'll see once the speedrunners get to it. I haven't watched the speedruns yet. Um, there seems to be a lot of wacky stuff you can do with bouncing off of the hat to go get moons and weird tricks. Like it it seems that this game is very much an interesting sandbox for jumping and jumping physics in particular, and that there's going to be a lot of cool game breaking stuff you can do with those physics, uh, if you're talented enough to do so. Right. And it felt to me that, uh, a game like Super Mario 64 required more of them to access, um, to access stars and and in the location compared to uh, Odyssey, uh, where you can get most of them just by using the normal uh, Mario moves or using the transformation mechanism. But you're right, it still is required in subterranean location. And from what I've started to see is where it is uh, required, it is assumed that you've played previous games and you know that you required those athletic moves that Mario can move by jumping and then jumping on the cap and then throwing the cap again and jumping again to uh, get to a higher location. Which brings me to come back a bit on the difficulty level. So Mario, the Super Mario Odyssey game itself is not that complex and not that hard. So the, the bosses and the mechanics you need to do to beat them is quite simple to get. Um, compared to previous Mario games, I would say I've haven't like died that much but in Odyssey there's no concept of dying like when you lose something when you you lose all your health uh, you go back to a checkpoint and those checkpoints are encountered in all of the kingdoms and it's uh, it's a Bowser flag and then that transform into a Mario flag so you always go back to those checkpoint game point if you lose all of your health and the cost of losing all of your health is quite minimal so you lose 10 coins and then it's super easy to get those 10 coins back because in this game there's a lot of uh, yellow coins there's two types of coins there's the yellow ones that are throughout the worlds and then there's the kingdom specific coins that are purple but the shape differs from kingdom to kingdom and most of them like the king the purple one makes a can uh, purchase uh, kingdom specific items and costumes compared to the yellow one which 
are for the different part of the the of the in-game store where you can just buy costume you can also which is funny one of the mechanics is you go to the store and you just buy a moon and you need to go through all of the kingdoms go to their store and just buy their moon for a hundred yellow coins uh, so while you navigate through all of the kingdom it is important to remember that um, you need to collect a lot of coins but if i go back a bit about the difficulty level so yeah the bosses whether it's bowser or the mini bosses the boodles they're not that hard throughout the games and there's a lot of mini bosses uh, through the game um it's super easy to understand what is you need to do to defeat them and it's typical you need to hit them three times and it works and i understand that they want to get the, they want all of the people to enjoy the game without it being uh, too much of a pain point. But at some point, I started to feel that the game was a bit easy compared to other uh, Mario games. Uh, the fact that there's a lot of moons and the fact that it's super easy in some occasion to get the moon, I was like, ah, it's a bit disappointing compared to, for example, either Super Mario 64 or Galaxy, where they always focus on this like 120 stars, which I liked. And like getting a star was a big occasion because sometimes it was super hard uh, to get because it was an hidden location. And what I realized after completing the game is Odyssey has still has stat. It's just that they raised the number of moons so much that there's some super easy to get to reward the player playing the game. But also if you do something super complex, Maybe something that you might consider, oh, I'm breaking the game or, oh, this is a bug. Then you just walk maybe a couple of steps and then you realize, oh, there's a moon at the end. Making you realize that, oh, yeah, yeah, what I've done is not break the game. Is Nintendo wanted me at some point to do this uh, eye jump or this eye combination of jump. I'll transform into one uh, a persona and then do a com- uh, use its uh, special tactics to go to a specific place and then realize, oh, yes, that's what I wanted to, I needed to do. And here's my award, my reward for doing that. So does Super Mario Odyssey have the handicap mechanics from the uh, 3D Land and 3D World games? Uh, what do you mean? So in 3D Land and 3D World, if you die three times on a map, you get a golden mushroom, I think, the first time. And oh, yeah, it gives you basically like some similarly invincible stuff. And then if you die even more, I think it's 10 or 15 times, if you die even more, there's basically this item which is practically like, you can't die in this level. I think even if you fall in a pit, it brings you back up, and you can just like brute force your way through the level if you just suck a lot. And I, I think it's, I think, first of all, that shouldn't even be in the game, period, but I think that mechanic made more sense in 3D Land and 3D World because those were level-based games, and if you were stuck on a level, you could never actually get past to the next level. Whereas in this, where it's more of an open-world type of thing, there isn't necessarily the requirement that you beat the level all the time. So, I don't know. I was wondering if it had that kind of mechanic built in. Um, it does, but it's a different mode. You can turn it on. It's called assist mode. I haven't tried it, so I don't know what is its effect. But the way it is described, it is. I think it gives like uh, by default you have three. This your health circle is divided by three, and the maximum you can have is two circle of three, so six. And I think in this mode you always have six. And I think it's easier for it. There's no kind of. I haven't tried too much, but there's an assist mode that is really if you're finding that a level is hard. 
But even then, usually you need to beat the mini boss to get uh, those multi power moons, which is always becomes in pack of three. Usually that's what to, uh, that's what you do to complete uh, a kingdom. But usually there's always a way to find the remaining moons using uh, some of them are super easy to access. So even with that, I would say that in the cases where I died the most, usually it's just because I was doing a bad maneuver and just like throwing myself out the kingdom and stuff like that compared to just dying quite a lot in mini bosses. So I don't know when you would use the assist mode. I guess with kids, like small kids, because if you played 3D games and you know to you how to like communicate to a joystick where you want to go, uh, Super Mario is quite easy to play for that. Yeah, it just like it feels insulting to be playing a game and like there are like two levels where I died more than three times in like 3D Land when I was beating it the first time, and I found it insulting that the game was like, nah, you suck too much, please use this item. I was like, no, let me do it the way I want to do it. And, and yeah. And I think that might be why they decided to put it as a mode in Odyssey. Yeah, because it wasn't setting. opt out in, uh, in the original implementation. Right. And I think the way it is implemented is just something you can like pause the game, go in the option and turn on directly where you're stuck. I, like I said, I haven't tried it because to me the game is uh, too easy already. I wouldn't say it's too easy. You know what? Uh, it is easy, and the more I progress through the game, the more I wanted it to be difficult, and this is what it is. Like you mentioned, the story is kind of a long tutorial with a nice story through it, and then when you need to go back into kingdoms and then try to find all of the power moons, this is where some of them are harder to find. You have also harder mini bosses you can beat on the darker side and dark side not the dark and the darker side of the moon so it builds the difficulty level for you while you play which that i like seriously like super mario DC is an amazing game and it's also a game where you can just when you're done with the story you can just play and not focus on the game and it's like really nice it's it's a good game to just zoom out of what you were stressed about uh but because this is uh the difficulty is building up throughout the game, it makes that when you're really at the end, it becomes a bit more difficult. Maybe not as difficult as other Mario games. And again, regarding the uh difficulty uh, levels, uh the tutorial, I, I didn't mind the tutorial in Galaxy. Maybe it's because it's a while ago since I played, but uh the tutorials are, are not that bad in Odyssey. Uh, there's three ways when you encounter them. The first one is when there's a new mechanic. Like I mentioned, a good example of that is when you transform into the noise-picking bird and the first time you encounter it in the Bowser Castle, in the Bowser Kingdom, it tells you what you need to do with it to progress in that level because after the first time you encounter it and the game tells you what to do when you're transforming to it, uh, you need that game mechanic to progress throughout that uh, kingdom so for important parts they will show you uh, what to do and what is the reaction so they will pop up a small uh, screen where mario is in it in the white uh, sandbox and it like they tell you like press excel plus a and then do that and while it tells you that it also shows what mario will be doing after you execute your combo which i really liked because 
in previous games and in a lot of games, they tell you, oh, do this and that to continue. But if it's expecting, if it's, you're expecting it, your character to jump or to do a specific maneuver, the fact that they were adding that on top of the game is really telling you, okay, you're supposed to expect that. So if it does something else, that's not what you're expecting. So I think if you didn't like the tutorial in Galaxy, you might not like these ones that will pop up while you play. But after you've done with the story, you should have encountered a lot of those mechanics. So those tutorials go, will go away. Like to me, it's just unacceptable that a Mario game would even have tutorials because like there have been entire college courses that have been given on level 1-1 of the original Super Mario Brothers and how the level design in that is the obstacles are laid out in such a precise way that you learn all of the game's mechanics from that one level. And there's not much else to learn elsewhere in the game. Like You learn all of the basics you need to know to beat the entire game in that one level, and there's not a single line of text at all. And with the move to 3D, they sort of had so much complexity added into the game that they sort of didn't have a choice but to add tutorials in there somewhere. And I feel like it's just gotten more and more overbearing because Nintendo has basically decided everyone who plays our game is three years old, so we have to repeat them always what to do and when. Um, and I think like part of the reason that I love 3D Land and 3D World so much is it was designed by people who love the 2D games and they were like, fuck that, we're not doing tutorials in this game. We're just going to make it simple enough to play that you don't need tutorials. And that, to me, is what a Mario game is. And none of the 3D Marios actually live up to that because they don't do that. They just try to be 3D games that feature Mario instead of trying to be Mario games in 3D, which is what 3D Land and 3D World is. I'll be honest, like those ones that they tell you the game mechanic you need to do in that portion of the game are not that much uh, annoying. The other ones you can see is plagues throughout kingdoms. And what I realized is the plague, they give you, so you go through them and then you press A for reading them and then Mario reads the plaque and it's like, oh, if you want to do this type of jump, do this and that. And I think those plaques are assumed are posted in places in Kingdom where if you haven't played any 3D game, Mario game, you might not know about it, so you might be, oh, there's something I need to read, so I should read it. And those are easily skippable. The one I, that, not I didn't like, but after navigating from one kingdom to the other, they became a bit annoying because you could not skip them, is when you kind of start to be airborne from one kingdom, you can skip that animation, which after like 10 times, it, like it's the same, so you don't want to skip it. Uh, you want to skip it. When it's story related, you don't skip it. There's in the middle portion where you have Mario and Cappy sitting uh, in Odyssey. And they're just like, oh, okay, we're going to this kingdom, blah, blah, blah. It's nice. Oh, by the way, just before we arrive, let's remind us about uh, a small tip of what to do, uh, how to do X, for example. And I realized that those are hard to skip sometimes. Because the you see the skip button available from the animation, which skips the animation directly. You're stuck in the middle part where it's telling you what is the next kingdom, which is fine. But then Cappy's like, oh yeah, let's review one advice. And then you're like, oh, but it, I know isn't this that a already. loading screen? I think I think that might be the reason. It's it is part of the loading screen, and that's why this one you can skip it. Because after it, there's kind of the landing animation, which can be skipped. Yeah, yeah. The loading and then the kind of the, the camera pans around the kingdom. This one can be skipped. So you might be right. It might, I, 
like the game loads fast, so usually I assume it just like even if you smash A to go fast through it, like everything loads. Uh, there's no, I think I've seen once a login screen when I press skipped. Where uh, this one was funny, it was a 2D representation of the Odyssey with the typical uh, with the normal progress bar, but I've seen one, I've seen it once only. So that might be why, uh, that might be why they're doing that. It's because they need to load assets in memory and it takes time sometimes. But that's a good explanation. I didn't talk about that. Okay, um, now let's move to Amiibos. We entered <laughs> that we would talk about Amiibos and um, I want, I seriously want to know why, why you're laughing. Because Amiibos are funny and they make so much okay. money for Nintendo. True. So, um, most of the, yeah, all of the game produced by Nintendo since they released Amiibos always have something related to Amiibos in it. And Super Mario Odyssey is still the same. So, the Amiibos can help you find hidden... They can give you a hint for finding a power moon in a kingdom. And that's any Amiibos you have. Uh, the same the same mechanics also apply because Toad is always located... There's a specific Toad located in each kingdom and can give him 50 coins. And it will also give you a hint to find uh, power moons. And there's also a parrot that gives you the name of the... Because all moons that kind of have a funny name attached to it, so I'm like, imagine it's like one hidden in in a hidden area behind fog. So it was like hidden in a cavern in behind the fog. Like they will have funny name like this, and this parrot can give you three ints, so three names of power moons to give you a int where they are located in a kingdom, and those are for free. So amiibos really in Odyssey are there to give you ints about power moons location. Except if you fall for Nintendo's marketing and like money plan and you buy the Super Mario DC Amiibos. They release a Mario, a winning Mario Amiibo, a winning Peach Amiibo and a winning Bowser Amiibo. And the Mario Amiibo will give you this Super Mario moment where like you're in previous game you were like uh, jumping on a star and then you would just like run fast and then you can not die and just become invincible. That is what the Super Mario, the Super, the winning Super Mario Amiibo will do. Um, also tied with Tony as the uh, 8-bit Mario and it does the same thing. If you use the Wedding Peach Amiibo, it gives you this, uh, the, another circle of art that you can, uh, get for free all the time. So, for example, when I was trying to beat the brutals in the dark side of the moon i was losing a lot of health and i was just like punching peach all the time on my joy on my controller and i would always get health for free which made it easier but i still fail at the end so let's ignore that part and last but not least bowser will give you a location of a power moon in a kingdom so all of this is to say that if you spend I think they are 20 Canadian dollars each. So if you spend 60 to 70 dollars, and of course now they are out of production. So if you want to find them or they are like in low volume production. So if you want to find them, you might have to go on eBay or wait for them to go back on Amazon on or your local video game shop. So you might end up paying more than the price of the game in an Amiibos just to get better or get, uh, like go through the game even faster. And that to me is 
genius and evil at the same time from Nintendo. They're like, we know everybody loves Amiibo, so let's give them really nice Amiibo because they're really nice and cute, uh, especially the Super Mario DC one. And at the same time, it's a cheat for the game. Like, it, it helps you be better at the game. So I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, it is. It made me laugh and cry at the same time because I think I've done most of the game and kind of forgot they existed. And then uh, I was listening to another podcast mentioning Amiibo. I was like, oh crap, Tony Buddy, uh, Super Mario Odyssey Amiibo. And then tried them and I was like, ah, that's nice. Giving you uh, all of these nice feature for somewhat free. Somewhat free, $60. <laughs> Same <laughs> yes. thing. Somewhat free. Yes, if you were already planning to buy them, that's for free. But uh, if you want the feature now, uh, I think most of them you can get for uh, kind of free if you don't buy them. Because, like I said, there's always a way in the game to get... Uh, I don't know if there's a way to get your Super Mario moment, but to get more arts, you can always buy them at the yellow coin store. You can always buy ints from a toad or also when you complete the game you unlock those moon rocks that gives you a lot of ints of where the moons are in the kingdom of course uh, toad is not giving you a direct location of where the moon is but a general int on the map whereas uh, bowser will put kind of a when you play and you're not looking at the map of the kingdom you will see where it is directly while you're controlling uh, Mario. So it's a bit better, but still there's always free way or let's play the game way to get those benefits. Yeah, Nintendo has been getting better at taking amiibo benefits and making them somehow accessible through alternate means. Um, I think Metroid is the only big exception to that because there's like an extra harder difficulty mode that is only available through the amiibo, which is kind of weird. Um, but it's become incredibly frustrating to people that like games will come out and there are certain features that are amiibo exclusive and they just can't have that feature not because they're not willing to spend the money for the amiibo but the amiibo simply is out of stock everywhere and nintendo being nintendo they just said oh yeah and by the way we're never making these ever again uh because that's what they do now um so it it can become incredibly frustrating i know uh one of the big examples uh, that happened was when Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival came out on Wii U. Uh, Amiibo, uh, Amiibo Festival is a board game that you play, sort of like Mario Party on the Wii U, except every player who plays needs an Amiibo. This is a problem because if you didn't get the pack that came with the two Amiibo, you couldn't buy the rest of the Animal Crossing Amiibo because they were all sold out. And you had to wait months for them to be back in stock. And at least that sort of died down pretty quick because it turned out that Amiibo Festival was not that great of a game, but it was really frustrating for people at launch who were really interested in this game that they couldn't actually play the game because it was so dependent on Amiibo. And I think that's like the worst case scenario. Uh, there hasn't really been other cases where Amiibo are fundamentally required to play the game. Um, but Nintendo's been getting better with that and making... Amiibo features available for people who can't get the Amiibo. Or honestly, what I think they should do is they should just say, oh yeah, by the way, if you want any specific feature from the Amiibo, you could buy it as DLC if the Amiibo, if the Amiibo isn't available. Because that would necess- it would solve the problem. Yeah, either that, or they do the, 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 the sad and boring NFC cards, or they just sell and produce more of those Amiibos. That would be way too smart. Money. I know. 
I know. But still, uh, like Amiibos in uh, RDC is not that bad. It's a nice addition for you if you have a shit ton of them like Tony has right now. And speaking of uh, like uh, Amiibos, he's having a hard time to find. I'm just watching at uh, Amazon to make sure that they pop up at the normal price and not uh, using Amazon resellers. And when they are, like when the Zelda ones are popping up, he's always grabbing them. So we've... Uh, we are kind of having our Federico Vitici moment these days because there's a lot of Amiibo bucks coming, like not daily, but every couple of weeks. Yeah, I bet he says he's not a collector. He's a wait, no, that's not it. He's not, not a hoarder. He's, a, he's a not a hoarder. He's a collector. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. That's usually how it goes. Last thing I want to talk before, like, uh, giving my opinion on the game and wrapping it up is, uh. My love of New Donk City, which Hell is yes. the level, <laughs> the level we've seen in the preview of the game. So there, this is the only level that reminds you that you're on the planet Earth, because all of the all of the other levels are Mario-like, so they are kind of the in the Mario Kingdom. But then at some point, Bowser goes to New Donk City, which is kind of, and if you look at the horizon when you're in this uh, kingdom. It seems like a floating city near New York. So, hence the name New Donk City. It's a Donkey Kong, blah, blah, blah. But it's super close to New York because all of the horizon is New York-like. So, you see the Brooklyn Bridge and blah, blah, blah. And wow, I'm really stupid. I never realized that the Donk was Donkey Kong, but that totally makes sense. Yes, yes, that that too. But also, like, it's funny because uh, all of the characters and all of the human characters in uh, New Donk City are always wearing like suits and nice hats. Nice hats is because Cappy, of course. And but they're all all in a black or gray suits. I don't know why, but every citizen in New Donk City wears this. Women, men, even dogs have uh, this uh, long form hat. Wait, you mean that isn't what you wear every day? Uh no. Well shit, I've been doing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> I don't say, I'm not saying you're doing it wrong. I'm just saying that if everybody in a city does that, it's interesting. I would like to visit that city. <laughs> but New Donk City, and it's hard to explain what's so magic about it. I don't know if it's putting Mario in kind of a human-like place, putting it in kind of an M in a normal city, because all of the interaction you have with the city, it's still like... Mario-like, right? You can jump everywhere. You can go on the top of the buildings. There's, all, of course, a lot of transform transformation mechanism that you can do in the city too. At some point, it's another spoiler because you need, uh, but you can transform yourself into uh oh man, uh, is it the fire hydrant? No, not the fire hydrant, but the the place to go uh, under the, into the underground tunnels. Oh, manholes, the... manhole covers. Yes, yes, manhole covers. That's what I was looking for. Uh, yes, because since you need to go to the underground power plant to reactivate it, because Bowser sabotaged it, everybody's like, oh my god, we don't know how to transfer, we not, uh, don't know how to open the manhole cover, what should we do? And then Mario's like, sure, poof, throw capies, and then voila. It's like, what? And everybody's like a bit, and it's funny because I think the character that was saying what I was saying is really like, uh, what is happening right now? Where's the, the short guy? And then you pop out, it's like, uh, what happened? Why is the cover <laughs> open? And then you're now there. It's quite funny. But um, the, the, the gist of the story is uh, Bowser stole some of their power and New Dong City uses power moons to power the city. And you encounter uh, the mayor... Oh, damn, I'm blanking out on the name. 
Yes, Pauline. Which, she's the mayor of the city, and you need to help her gain control of her city back. And then once you do that, you get the one of the nicest moments in Super Mario Odyssey, <laughs> which is the New Donk City Festival. Which, you gather some musicians throughout the city, uh, Pauline and the musician will sing, and then everybody will be uh, having fun through the city, and then you'll hear the, I think the official uh, Super Mario Odyssey song, which is super nice, and it's Tony and I have been listening on it uh, quite a lot uh, since uh, Mario is out, but also at that time it's another place where you see this 2D and 3D uh, game mechanism in uh, a kingdom where to go to the top of where Pauline is because Pauline is singing to the city on top of a skyscraper you need to start near the bottom of a skyscraper and then go through a 2D level that goes from portion of building around it and then everybody's enjoying the festival up to the top of uh, the skyscraper where Pauline is and then you complete uh, the storyline of New Donk City this Scene is what? 15, not even 15 minutes. 15, 20, 15, 10 minutes. But it's just like, if I could, I need to find a way to replay it because it's just amazing. And this brings me to my opinion of the game. And I <laughs> might be sad for Wii U owner, but I am so excited that this game was not on the Wii U. And the main reason why is. This week again, we got a lot of good numbers from Nintendo about the Wii, about the Switch. Uh, I think they are also like claiming that there's best-selling home console in the U.S. for the first year well, or it, ten months. It, it started with uh, best-selling system in Japan earlier this week. Like I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, uh, they announced that thing. Uh, they said it sold better than the PS2 in the first year or whatever, uh, which is like what the benchmark was for Japan at that time. And then today they announced that it is just the best selling console of all time. Well, not of all time, like fastest selling console uh, in the first year or whatever. And it's not even the first year, right? Because we need to wait until March. So it's that after they did that in, well, it's going to be for the first year anyway, because they're comparing it to the numbers for the first year for the other consoles. But yeah, right. All of this is to say that, Super Mario Odyssey is an amazing game. And I know Yannick doesn't like 3D games. And when you get a Switch... I haven't haven't given my judgment on the game yet. I will give it after yours, but go ahead. Right. Uh, Maybe I'll uh, comment on your judgment after it. But it's funny, this week I was talking with a colleague at Gord and he told me that he bought a Switch... Of course, yes, for the lineup that is coming in 2018. What lineup? Even though... Yes, (laughs) even though we said that. But... He told me that he bought the Switch for Odyssey and Zelda, and he said after playing both games that already he made the money. Like for him, it was worth the investment only for those two games. And you know what? I haven't played Zelda. I've heard a lot of good things, and then we have an episode on Zelda with Tony. Uh, if you go into our back catalog, but I totally agree with my colleague's statement about Super Mario Odyssey. It is an amazing game, an amazing Mario game with a lot of details, whether it's visual, the audio soundtrack is amazing too, and it is a nice game after you complete the short story. It's not a long story, but I'm sure it is a story that maybe a year from now, I will just like start a new game and then play the story again because the story is really nice, short and concise, 
but so enjoyable. I should say on average also that recent Mario games have an 11-hour story, so it's about in that ballpark anyway. It was about what you could have expected. And then you have all of the post-game content, which probably doubles that, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah, I think even more. I'm, like, I'm starting to post-game content, and I'm usually slow at games. And I think it took me maybe 15, 20 hours. And also, like, in some occasion, I was, like, going through a lot of power moves in Kingdom. So that's why it took me a lot uh, more time uh, in some places. Because in some cases, I was enjoying walking around New Donk City like I used to do with Super Mario 64. Like, some of those kingdoms, good example of that is New Donk City. It's just amazing to enjoy it. You don't do stuff, you just transform, you go on Skyscraper. Just doing that is just so fun and amazing that you would want to do that, not for three or four hours, but at least for half an hour, if you're done collecting all the power moves. Cool, so shall I give my judgment? <laughs> judgment on a game on I haven't played yet. Yes, maybe your impression. Well, it, it's Let's more like it what I think of the game not having played it. Um, so yeah, I think like on paper, there's a lot of stuff about this game that makes me not... Well, that would theoretically make me not want to play it. Uh, like For me, like the biggest issue with this game is that people who really love Super Mario 64 really love this game, and I hate Super Mario 64. Therefore... <laughs> It's sort of, I think if you do the relation, I'm probably going to hate Odyssey. However, uh, there are some interesting points about Odyssey that do get, make me a little bit curious. So the first thing is the sheer amount of Mario fan service that is in this game. This is a big fan service game, like New Donk City. It, like, it is a big reference to Donkey Kong because, spoilers, Pauline is the main girl you save in the original Donkey Kong and K game. Uh, yeah, it's a, a detail I didn't know until Tony was like, you know Pauline? I was like, uh, yes. Like, she's the first Peach. I was like, what? Yep. And he's like, yes, in the arcade, she was the girl you need to save. Yep, and there's a bunch of little callbacks to a bunch of obscure Mario lore all over the place. And, like, as a fan of the 2D Marios, I kind of want to see what they did with it in this game, like, just because I'm curious about that. The other thing is New Donk City, to some extent. And the reason for this is, uh, I'm a big fan of the Xbox 360 game Crackdown, which you're probably thinking, like, what the fuck does a game that is basically Grand Theft Auto with, um, weird muscle men have to do with Super Mario Odyssey? Um, but that was a game that took place in a city. It had, uh, this concept of agility orbs, which were little balls you could pick up a little bit everywhere in the city, and that made you able to jump higher. And you can sort of see where I'm going with this. It is a ton of fun to actually play uh, games that allow you to j- do crazy jumps around cities and explore every nook and cranny and stuff like that. And maybe for New Donk City alone, it would be worth checking out Odyssey just because I really love Crackdown. I like Gravity Rush, which is not exactly the same thing, but has the same flavor. And even the game developers of Gravity Rush have said like Crackdown was a huge inspiration. So I like that kind of weird hanging out in the city and jumping all over the place kind of game and new donk city sort of delivers on that front but i think as the game itself i'm not super sold but just on those two aspects i'm a little bit curious and i would want to check it out if i had a switch however i knew not so that's not really important right now come on you'll be buying a switch and i'm sure now super mario Odyssey will be part of the reason at some point well it's still not on my wish list it's just like in the three-star column of games that you should probably pick up maybe sometime. 
Oh my goodness. That's, we, we cannot end on this podcast <laughs> on that note. We cannot. It is an amazing game. And there's one spoiler, and I'll end on this. There's one spoiler that won't mention, but what I will say about it is at the complete end of the story, Peach is doing something that she's not traditionally doing, and it's so funny and so modern that it was like, at first I was like, huh, that's an interesting twist. So for people that have played the game, they'll understand what I mean. And it's also uh, kind of to power up the post uh, game. Can't wait to see Peach using Snapchat. Oh my goodness. And on that note, let's wrap it up. Sure. So you can find the show notes for this episode at limitlesspossibility.net slash 80, or you can find all of our episodes at at limitlesspossibility.net. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at Sakurina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you can find the good of you at... Lucanoche. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. <laughs>